Hands up if you'd love Elton John as a client. Yeah, I thought so, 100% of you. Then listen in as today's guest does have Elton as a client and he's about to explain exactly how he did it. It's episode 452 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Show brought to you by Yellow and American Express. Well, I said welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing madness. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner and you're ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful, beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And today's episode is made possible thanks to the good guys at Yellow who have a red-hot range of digital marketing products designed to specifically send your small business into the online stratosphere. Check them out, yellow.com.au. And we're also made possible thanks to American Express, whose business card programs can help optimise your cash flow, grow your business, plus they have an outstanding choice of rewards. Google Amex Business to find out more. Big show today. It's always a big show, right? Longtime friend of the show, Steve Sims, explains how he got Elton John as a client. Oh, this is a good story. It's full of good little stories too. And another listener shares what marketing is working for them and as a result takes home a little swag of prizes in the monster prize draw. As per usual team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Now, as you know, I do have a segment called the Monster Prize Draw, and I'm looking for more of you to send in your emails to me so I can give you lots of prizes. The emails have dried up just the last two or three weeks. All you've got to do is email me, tim at timreid.com.au. You need to tell me one idea that you have implemented from listening to this show and what impact it's had on your business. Keep it short. I have a very short attention span, so long emails freak me out. But that's all you have to do. And you will win hundreds of dollars in prizes from me. My guests give them to me and I give them to you. It's the monster prize draw. The segment's coming up after the interview shortly, but send me an email, tim at timreid.com.au. Now, if you are a long-time listener of this show, then you'll well and truly know who my next guest is. Steve Sims is his name. If you're new, then here's what you need to know. He's the founder of LA-based concierge business, The Bluefish, and his clients are the who's who of Hollywood and beyond. They're they're the A-listers. They are truly the A-listers. More importantly, he's the master, more importantly for you and I, he's the master of making things happen. And in previous episodes, he shared how he managed to arrange a candlelit dinner for four, at the bottom of Michelangelo's David with Andrea Bocelli serenading the guests and how he managed to get an IT magnate to dance the tango with a leading lingerie model at the Victoria's Secrets Ball. Like a bit of that. Today, he takes it up 
another level. In fact, I reckon another two or three levels and explains how he got Elton John as a client and what it was like organising Elton's Oscars after party for the recently held Academy Awards. So what he does is um, he has, him and his uh, husband, Dave Furnish, they have a Elton John AIDS Foundation. And what this is, is a charitable group that actually raises money to find a cure for AIDS, which I will say proudly today, they actually cured the second person ever that had HIV. So to say that it's actually be, it's becoming a curable disease, you know, they, they solved one person and today they announced that a second person has actually been cured. That's a massive milestone. Um but they have a charity event every year, and it's around the Oscar weekend. It's actually on the same Sunday. And here's how it works. Here's how it came up first about. The Oscars is held in a place called the the, uh, the Dolby Theatre. used to be called the Kodak Theatre, but they changed names. There's only about, I think it's like 800 people that can sit in it. When you're looking at it on TV and you've got the fisheye lens, it looks like a massive auditorium. But it's minute. And when you realize that you've got a sound stage in there and you've got these what they call octopus arms to be able to get the better cameras flowing through the crowds, you lose about a third of the audience. So it's a very, very small location. So what he did was he set up the rights and he got permission to do a live telly feed. He being Elton. He, he being this fella called Elton John. Yeah. So. What, what Elton John and his crowd actually decided to do was they were going to throw what they call a viewing party. And what they do is they allow people to turn up at four o'clock. They walk down a similar, it's not red, we have a white carpet, get their photographs, loads of VIPs and celebrities, and predominantly all the people that are not up for an Oscar. So you get a much bigger crowd. You've actually got a bigger crowd at Elton's party than you have at the Oscars. How is that list put together, Steve? Well, there's two things that happen. There's a lot of supporters and people that are on the board, which I'm also on the board, um, that actually support and bring their friends. So there's a lot of Elton's got a lot of friends. He's got the Beckhams, he's got Seal, you know, Miley Cyrus, Stephen. So he's got a lot of these friends. Okay. So the star power Elton's camp has, okay, mm-hmm. they bring that in droves. My job is to get the high-profile people that want to come along, have a good time, pay good money to have a seat, but are also there open to donating further, either through the Cause Direct or through the auction items during that event. Mm -hmm. So you'll have maybe 20% of the people in that room are faces that you know. And then you'll have the rest of the people are either managers and agents of those people or bigwigs that have the money to throw around to be in that room. And that's my job. My job is to get the spenders in that room. How did you get that job in the first place? Because, look, at the end of the day, this isn't the Hollywood Reporter podcast. This is a marketing podcast, and I've got to make sure we get some business learnings. How do you get a client like Elton John? So it's it's actually dead easy, which <laughs> no one wants to be hearing. But I'm going to tell you the exact same thing I've told you on every single podcast and every interview and every stage I've ever been on. Yes. If you bring no value to a relationship, you have no relationship. So when I saw the event, 
years ago. And I was involved in it for like eight years before I became official five years ago. I was watching it. And a lot of the people that came, like any party, if you imagine your local jeweler and they want to, to have a cocktail party to get people to buy more jewelry, the first mistake they do is they, they get in all the pretty people. Now, the pretty people come along, sponge, drink all the champagne, and then bugger off and have a bought anything. And sadly, a lot of those pretty people, they don't have the money to be able to afford it. They just, you know, won the gene pool lottery and they look good for the photographs. So my job was to, I was looking at it and I'm looking at it thinking, there's a lot of fluff in this crowd. There's a lot of flakes that are doing good because it's helping their social feed, but they're not supporting the cause. It's the wrong people in this room. So what I did was I actually approached the uh, the foundation for a start. Got it. Okay. And I contacted the foundation. And I think it would be accurate to say I was not received well. Because <laughs> um, you've got, you know, let's let's be blunt. Anyone that's ever seen me, you've got a 245-pound Neanderthal <laughs> walking up to an LGBT community. Who going, you think's just walked off a Harley Davidson. Yeah, and I, I'm stood there in front of you going, yeah, you're doing it all wrong. And of course, they're looking at me going, well, you know, he's, he's not one of us. Why the hell would he, why would he come forward? Um, you know, what's, what's so, you know, what's he got to say that we can't, you know, don't you? And there was a lot of, don't you know who we are kind of personalities in that, in that room. You see, before you actually get to actually stand eye, eye to eye with Elton John, you've got to go through all the ringleaders or oh. the, the key holders, all of the people that are, you know, out on the peripheral, you've got to get through them. There's a lot of gatekeepers. I imagine Elton's got a lot of Dobermans. You talk value. Just give me an example of, I don't know, can you identify, you don't have to name names, feel free to, um, two, two Dobermans between you and Elton and what value you brought to them so that they said, yes, you can proceed to the next floor. When you go into any environment, straight away, these people, especially when it's obvious that you're not one of them, mm -hmm. you know, there's a friction. And the trouble is also, you're getting the puppy Dobermans. And it's, they always say it's the, it's the baby rattlesnakes that, that, that bite first. You know, you're getting all of these people that they're just getting the leg in the door of these foundations, of these causes, of these events. Their job in their head is to put you down, which helps them step up. Mm -hmm. So you step in there and you go, hey, if you go in there and you go, your sound system sucks, you need to follow up with quickly, but I have a way of giving you superior sound system. I give you a way of enhancing the experience of your event. We are from two different sides of the table that can make what you do go from great to exceptional. And when you start going in with a joint focus, with a joint passion in making what they've got from, you know, fun to fantastical, that's when they get you on board. You meet in the middle in quite simply what they refer to as a common ground. And some of those puppy Dobermans that have worked up at those ranks are now some of my closest, dearest mm. friends because we are both fighting for the same cause. So you've got to get into the conversation showing that, hey, we wear different colors, we look different, we don't fit in so many different ways other than the sandpit that we're playing in today as a joint cause to make this fantastical.
Beautiful. And I'm going to look up the dictionary because I don't think fantastical is a word, but it sounds, has a wonderful syntax to it. So you've got through all the puppy Dobermans, the bigger Dobermans. Tell us about the moment you get in front of the man himself. Well, the man himself was probably Scott and uh, Dave Furnish um, because those were the guys that run it. Those were the last hurdles before I finally got introduced to uh, Sir Elton. And, of course, I'd already been working. I'd actually been working for a couple of years for the foundation before I was finally introduced to the man himself. It was as though they were checking me out to see what I could do. So bearing in mind, my relationship with that, that community was for eight years. It was only the last five that I actually became on the chair, uh, on the board, and actually got listed in the invites and actually got my name up on there. And it took, it took two years of an official contract with the people before I finally actually got in front of the man himself and was able to shake his hand. I had to earn my stripes before I actually met the man himself. So many business owners, Simsy, uh, are impatient. That's a long time to finally crack the egg, isn't it? What do you say to those business owners that just want that instant, that instant gratification, that instant result? Well, the the egg was actually um, was giving me was giving me protein and food before I got to meet Elton, and and here's probably where a valid lesson is from here. A lot of people get very, very impressed the fact that I've worked with Elton John, okay? The people that worked underneath Elton John are doing 99% of the work. Elton turns up to the event. The menus have already been done, the security. He's not looking after any of that. Mm. So I'm already making sure that my job is good from these people because guess what? There's about 200 people that look after that event. They also look after about 20 to 30 other events ranging from fashion shows, Leonardo DiCaprio's event in Saint-Tropez, the Amphar Gala in Cannes. They look after so many different events that if you can show your cut in that event, you end up in all of these other ones. So there's a lot of people that that said to me, oh, it was so great. You got to meet out. Believe it or not, I got so much more out of the event from connections, contracts, clients, before I met Elton. Elton was very much an icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. If I had never been introduced to Elton John... Wouldn't have mattered. It would not have mattered. Profitably, it would not have mattered, okay? Image, yeah, it certainly helps me having some pictures taken with him and oh, people geez, knowing that I, I've been with I, the man. I, I almost unfollowed you on Facebook. It was getting a bit embarrassing. It was, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, it, you know, it certainly helps... But for, for money, credibility, stature, distribution, and let's be honest, as a business owner, you know, we don't want to be in, in one stable. We want to be able to be out in many, many different playing fields. Working with this crew gave me the credibility to be able to work in so many uh, so many other sandpits. When you did get in front of Elton, uh, whilst it was really just a, a formality, I suppose, to finally meet the guy who's heading up this this fantastical event and all these other events, uh, whilst it's a formality, there is a great opportunity that you could say something and completely tip the house of cards over, right? So oh, do, you, gotcha. do you go into that meeting with Elton with what kind of mindset? What did you want from that meeting? To walk out going, oh, Elton thinks I'm a nice guy or or what? Well, the good thing is, I again, I'd already been working with him unofficially about three years, officially two years. 
So I already had some stripes on my shoulder by the time I got there. And the people that were introducing me to him um, were credible voices in his ear that were able to go, and this is the man that's been doing this. This is the man that's been supporting. This is the man that's been involved for the last X amount of years. So it's the classic referral structure that I've always played with. If I tell you I'm brilliant, is marketing, you know, promotion, you know, self, self uh, uh, bloating. It's all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. But if someone that you trust tells you those things, it's gospel. So with that introduction, he already looked at me as someone that was credible and a supporter and actually brought value to the conversation. Mm, nice. What's he like? Um, he is a diva <laughs> and a diva. certainly deserves to be so. Um, he's also a gentleman that really loves his, his art. I don't think he likes, you know, being brutal. I don't think he likes all the pandering and the shaking hands. And I know he hates bloody photographs. Um, you know, you get people come up to him and shake his hand and they're like, oh, can I get a photograph? And he's like, no, you know, <laughs> he doesn't care about that. He wants he wants your music to resonate, but he really doesn't like the selfie crowd. He doesn't like the show off. He's he wants his music to do all of the showboating for him and that to be there to, to stand out. And let's be blunt. The guy's getting on a bit and has never since day one missed a year of um, performing. Never once. He's been on the road every single year of his life. Mate, I saw him in Tasmania, in, in Hobart, which is a little island. Tasmania's a little island at the bottom of Australia, Steve. I saw him last year. He played only three regional towns in Australia. I'm not quite sure. I think there was some tourism promotion. He, in the fifth song, paused and he said, excuse me, I'm going to have to leave the stage and throw up. And he walked off the stage, did what he needed to do, came back on stage and played for another two hours. The guy, the guy is, he's one of the greats. He's one of the greats, unauto-tuned, unfiltered, is what it is, raw talent. These days, it's not hard to build a basic website, but it's significantly harder to build a website that looks great, has a solid user interface, and gets found on the big G. The big Google. Yellow websites are built from the ground up with copy specifically written to give you a kickstart for ranking higher on the biggest search engine in the world and then some. So if your current website needs a bit of a zhuzh, or maybe, maybe you're ready to get your first website, then check out yellow.com.au after the show. Hey, I'm guessing your business has many, many needs. Maybe you need extended cash flow to bring to life that genius marketing idea that you've been sitting on for way too long. Or maybe you'd love a rewards points program that had you flying at the pointy end of the plane on the trip of a lifetime. Maybe you're just like a business tool that made running that beautiful business of yours just that little bit easier. Well, here's what I'd do. After the show, check out American Express's range of business cards designed specifically to help small businesses like yours. Simply Google Amex Business to find out more. Now, back to the interview. Everyone, team, 
anyone listening, I am talking to friend of the show, Steve Sims from The Bluefish. He's an author, a speaker under his own right. He has a segment on this show called Wow, where we talk about how to wow our clients through American Express. Um, and now we're talking about how he's just got Elton John as a client and how he's organising various parties for him. Simsy, uh, you, you do the viewing party. That's a success. Uh, that's on the That's during the Oscars. There was another party you organised, which which was the one that caught my attention. Although they they all seem pretty amazing, pretty fantastical. You did something at the Louis Vuitton store in Rodeo Drive for Elton, which is pretty amazing because, from what I understand, that's a three story retail outlet with a whole lot of expensive products, and you're having a party there for Elton John. Yeah, it's uh, um, so to, to, to be accurate, his his party has about fourteen hundred people. We throw a private party on the Friday night and we invite the VV VIPs that are going to that party. Um, uh. Every year we've kind of had some fun. So it's a much more smaller event, although it's just under 150 people. So it's a nice, it's a nice size crowd. Um, and every year we've, we've had a bit of fun of where it's been. We've been in uh, the, um, the foundation room of the house of blues before it was demolished. We were on, um, if you ever saw a, a TV show called uh, um, Sir, it was on uh, Lisa Vanderpump and her restaurant. We actually took over the restaurant and actually held the party in the restaurant, which is, was a current set for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just we just played with different things. And last year, last year we actually took over, and people don't even know it exists. There's a penthouse above Tiffany uh, on Rodeo Drive, and the penthouse actually has, uh, it's got no terrace, but it's got these windows above it. And it looks out over Rodeo Drive and it looks across the street to a private terrace, open air terrace on the roof of Louis Vuitton. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I enjoyed doing it at uh, the penthouse, but the penthouse was quite small. Okay. We only had about a hundred, uh, we had about, um, I think it was like about 40, 50 people at that event. Okay, it was a small venue, small locations, small people, uh, small numbers. So I actually spoke to Louis Vuitton and I said to him, you know, I had it over there last week, uh, last year. And I said, I want to take over your, your, your penthouse, uh, your, your terrace for this party. The Louis Vuitton? Yeah, yeah I contact, Louis Vuitton is headquartered in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. So I had to speak to them mm-hmm. and they didn't know who I was. Uh, fair enough. Most people don't. You know, I'm a big deal to about 10 people in the world. Yeah. Um, so they didn't know who the hell I was. So I contacted him and I said, look, I want to do this terrace uh, party. Um, I know you've never heard of me. I'll get a few people to reach out to you. So, of course, I had, you know, Tiffany and I had some other people reach out. We've done it at Piaget. So I tried to get people that were in that kind of wheelhouse that they would recognize. Contact them and go, hey, you know, we've had these people at it. And then, of course, you drop a few links, show that you're actually on the list of chair with uh, Sir Elton John for the party, blah, blah, blah. They went from allowing me the terrace to shutting down the entire three-story uh, flagship store, <laughs> and they went, it's just yours. We will supply all the drink, all the champagne. I, I stipulate that I have to have old-fashioned, so they made up an old-fashioned for me. They had an artist come in to draw on the bags, and they gave us the whole three floors for three hours on Friday night for a private party and private viewing of their new collection uh, at the Louis Vuitton in Beverly Hills. It was 
pretty sick and amazing. I have no idea how I am going to trump that uh, next year. Yeah, as I say, the year before, I had the penthouse at Tiffany. This year, I took over three-story building. I think one of the learnings here, and the very first interview I did with you, it might have been the second, but you just organized an event at the Academia Museum in Florence where you had a client dine at the feet of Michelangelo's David statue with uh, Andrea Bocelli singing between courses. When you talked about getting access to the academia, it was really not as hard as we all thought. You made the phone calls, you asked, and sometimes it's as simple as that, isn't it? Because it sounds like, I think when you were explaining it last time, not many people have asked to do that. And, you know, you went through some hurdles, and but you got there. And and likewise here, I mean, it wasn't as simple as ringing Louis Vuitton and saying, hey, how about it? But sometimes we just need to ask, right? So here's a, here's a story which is um, um, sad in its, in its truth. Um, there was one guy that I kind of got the sense didn't like me from the academia. Now, shock horror, how could you not? But the guy, when I first turned up because I wanted to close down the entire museum, he looked at me as this guy that just kind of spent rich people's money and didn't respect the culture. Fair enough. This was a guy that during putting the event together, I actually avoided because I didn't want the friction. It was all being put together. I didn't need to speak to him because I'd already gone above his head. But during the event, and this tells people what a dick I am, during the beginning of the event, Andrea Bocelli's in the corner, just like, you know, warming, warming up his uh, throat. The piano's there playing. His son's on his piano. They're just laying the table and all the, the, the candelabras and all the lights are going, all the flowers are being laid out. It was a beautiful scene. And I'm stood there. And probably about 15 to 15 feet to my right is this guy that I could sense didn't like me. And as I say, this is me being a dick, but I wanted to just kind of like prod him a little bit. So I called him and he came over to me and I I had no liability in this conversation now. So I turned around and I went, what do you think? And he was like, yeah, it is beautiful. It is beautiful. I said, oh, did you ever think there'd be like a table of six at the feet of Michelangelo's David? And he was like, no, no, I didn't. And I said to him, look at this. Do you ever think Andrea Bocelli would be in this serenading while they're eating their pasta? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no. And I'm feeling chuffed with myself. And as I say, I'm admitting now that it was a dick move, but I wanted, I wanted to poke the guy because there was a few times he gave me little glances that kind of aggravated me, mm-hmm. but I couldn't say anything about it because I needed, I needed this to come off. And I thought to myself, now I'm getting my revenge. As I say, real dick move, real dick move. And I turned around him and I went, so how come this happened? And I was expecting him to have to admit, well, no one has the connections you do. No one you know, knows how to negotiate as much. And the, the, the guy just turned around. He still had his arms folded. He just turned around and looked at me and he went, no one's ever asked. <laughs> and it killed it. There was me trying to kind of get one over him. And he, <laughs> gotcha. just, he gave me the <laughs> knockout punch. And I'm like, damn. And I suddenly realized that we're all so frightened of the big elephant, the big deal, the big dream, that we avoid it like the plague and focus on the the ones that we can settle on, that we can achieve, that we can pull off. Now, that guy, we went out afterwards, we drank, we ate Florentine steak, and I've stayed in touch with a guy ever since. How fantastic. Um, But I went back to L.A. and actually commenced for about six months randomly phoning up locations, venues, 
artists, celebrities that we had dealt with. And I said, I know we, we did this five years ago. I, I'm, I'm actually researching something. I want to ask you, how come we did that? And the answer came back the exact same. Well, no one had ever you know, asked us to do it or no one had ever proposed us to do it. And you've got the cheeky little stuff at the beginning going, well, you know, you knew people. But it all came down to the exact same thing. No one had ever had the balls to walk up toe-to-toe and go, hey, this is what I would like to happen. And this is what I can do for you if you allow it to happen. So I brought value to every uh, venue, dream, desire that I'd ever pulled off. But the simple fact is the first thing no one was doing was actually asking for it to happen. Not hard. No, 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 no. But scary as shit. A lot of people will go, oh, I'd like to throw a party on that mega yacht. but And then they will proceed to tell you all the reasons why it can't be done rather than the one reason why it should. Hmm. Hey, going back to your party uh, at Louis Vuitton, clearly uh, it went beautifully well. The quid pro quo for that, uh, Steve, just to understand, was that um, clearly they wanted Elton to throw a party in their store. That was good for them. It sounded like what they wanted to do with the 140 guests or so that you had, who I'm guessing are all sort of either A-listers or or well-heeled individuals that nobody knows but could buy a small planet. Uh, they wanted to Louis Vuitton wanted to showcase their product. So, is that was that the kind of deal that was struck, or did also Louis Vuitton want to promote the fact that Elton was having a party in their store in Rodeo Drive? Well, that's that party. The Friday night party is always thrown by my company for Elton. So actually, Elton never turns up on that. Uh-huh. Okay, he turns up on the Sunday. He's never been to any of our Friday pre-parties. This party, I literally just bring in the richest, most unknown people you'll ever meet. And so the what the what's in it for Louis V is they got to mingle with 150 of the world's most powerful people, and they got to bring out those special little pieces that aren't often showcased anywhere else in the world. And as it's a flagship store, they've got like the, well, this is only one of three in the planet kind of items. So when we left, funny story, when we left, it was about 10 o'clock. It started at 7.30 in the evening. Uh, we left at about 10.30. As we were all leaving the store and that starting to lock up, in the corner was one of our clients. And I said to, I said to uh, one of the, uh, the people that helped us put the party together with Louis, I went, oh, shall I go and get my client? And they said, we would prefer if you didn't because she started spending about an hour ago and has not stopped. <laughs> and I said, well, hey, if you're happy. And so I went over and I said, you're having a good time? And she was like, I'm having a wonderful time. And she was having a fantastic. It was a pretty woman moment. She literally, she was being served champagne and just buying the store. So the what's in it for a, client, for a store like Louis Vuitton is bringing the right clientele, yeah. introducing them to what is Louis Vuitton. What does Louis Vuitton do? What makes them spectacular? What makes them stand out as a brand? So there was a lot of engagement and education for our clients on what Louis Vuitton actually is. And of course, a lot of our clients fell in love with that and then wanted to cement the uh, the, the relationship and the night of experience by going home with uh, two ton of LV products. Simsy. You never cease to amaze me, mate. Like you said earlier, what's next? Even you don't know, but I can't wait to find out. Uh, it's a great <laughs> story. I, I know you've already written one book, 
uh, the art of blue fishing. Yes, yeah, blue fishing, the art of making things happen. The art of making things happen. It's awesome. You've got to, I'm sure there is a book at some point, isn't there, mate, where you are going to, uh, you know, change the names to protect the innocent, but talk about all these incredible events and, and interactions you've had with uh, interesting people along the way. That's in development, right? It's got to be careful how you do it. So careful. Because let's be, you know, I have a great relationship with the guy that took over uh, the one of the academia, but, um, Every time I tell a story, I, I, I get a text or I get a little uh, a Facebook messenger or something like that going, oh, I heard the podcast. I'm, I'm glad my, my checkbook helped your stories. <laughs> um, so yeah. I, I, it's, you've got to be a little bit careful because even though you may change the names, the people are going to know. So you can't reveal too much. Correct. Hey, buddy, thank you. I will see you on the next episode of WOW coming down the line sometime in the next few weeks. Thanks for having me, pal. Love you. Well, there you go, team. Founder of The Bluefish, Steve Sims. Isn't he a character? Hey, if you haven't already read his book, Bluefishing, The Art of Making Things Happen, I really do suggest you do. Use Booktopia is probably the best site to buy it on in Australia or Amazon or where the good wherever good books are sold. Hey, be sure to hang around after my top three attention grabbers as another listener shares what marketing is working for them and as a result wins a couple of things in the monster prize draw. But first, thanks to Yellow and American Express, here's what grabbed my attention from our chat with old Steve Sims. Attention grabber number one. I love Steve's idea of having extreme self-awareness, knowing exactly how others will perceive you in certain situations, and then you can craft your approach accordingly. You know, it's a great idea. Don't assume people see you in a particular way. Think about the situation you're going to. Think about how they are going to perceive you and craft your messages accordingly. Attention grabber number two, accept that building profitable relationships takes time. He didn't knock on Elton's door and go, hey, g'day, piano man. Oh, no, no, hang on. That's Billy Joel. G'day, rocket man. Um, I'm Simsy. Can I do some work for you? No, it didn't work like that. He built it out over many, many months and years and finally nailed a client that I guess if he does the good work like he does, he'll have Elton for many years to come. And what a great thing to be able to tell other prospects. Attention grabber number three, respect the puppy Dobermans that may be in between you getting to the big daddy of them all. It's hard getting to the decision makers. I get that. But be patient. Respect the puppy Dobermans. Understand what it is that they're looking for and give it to them. And then you'll sort of progress your way through the chain and get to the Elton, whoever your Elton may be. That's what grabbed my attention. I really would love to hear what grabbed yours. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 452 and let me know. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, I love that intro. It means that it's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some swift marketing action as a result of listening to this show. And today's winner is... Benjamin Forehand from War Inc. Manufacturing in Memphis... Tennessee. Benjamin Forehand. Oh, I bet he wished he was a tennis player. You know, 
So it would have been so many good dad jokes to be able to. Anyway, he didn't. He's in ink manu- war ink manufacturing. I don't even know what that is. Let's have a look at the email. He says, G'day, Timbo. He actually says, Good day, Timbo. I think that's how overseas listeners think that's what we say. We say, G'day. It's like G apostrophe day. My wife and I run a side hustle clothing business called War Inc. that we hope turns into a main hustle. Yes, love it when a side hustle becomes a main hustle. Ever since I found your podcast on iTunes, I have been binge listening for weeks. Love a binge listener. I have notepads full of ideas ready to implement. I've already changed my email signature to include a promo code to our website. I saw that. I like your thinking there, uh, young Benjamin. As well as contact information. Yeah, great stuff. A good email signature. You know how I feel about that. We have also filmed our first interview with an expert in our field that we will post on Instagram. We just released a teaser for the interview and Instagram metrics said that our post is doing 95% better than all our other posts. Well, that's good news. I don't know. You're coming off a really low base. Have you gone from like one view to four or have you gone from a thousand to 4,000? Anyway, 95% is a good increase, young Benjamin. I don't know if you're young or not, but you know, War Inc. sounds like a pretty cool brand. Young, youthful, millennial. I digress. I can't wait to see the reaction from the actual interview. We get a lot of inquiries about how to start a clothing line and we have always wondered if we should charge for the consultations. Well, absolutely. Don't lose focus though. You're kind of selling clothes. Why start being the kind of train the trainer type person yet? Maybe it's a revenue stream, but Maybe you should maintain focus. I'll leave that to you, but definitely charge. Don't give it away for free. After implementing your book, The Boomerang Effect, Timbo, we have seen these customers hire us to produce their line for them. (laughs) Nice. That's what being helpful does. Thank you for making the marketing gold. It is a real game changer for us. Benjamin Forehand, War Inc. Manufacturing, Memphis, Tennessee, your ace, Benjamin, War Inc. Here's the email, the, uh, what is it? The website address, warincmfg.com. Well, Benjamin, you are all the way over in Memphis, so I can't send you stuff, but I am going to promote you on your show, on this show, like I just have, and I'm going to give you a backlink, which I think is worth, worth it's kind of priceless over on the smallbusinessbigmarketing.com website. Thanks, buddy. Wish you all the luck. Uh, if anyone else would like to send me what's working for them in their business, Tim at timreid.com.au, and you may win hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of prizes. Well, that almost wraps up episode 452 of the Small Business Big Marketing Show, sponsored by Yellow and American Express. It is time for you to race out there now and get an Elton John-type client for your business. If you do, let me know. I'll interview you. Search Amex Business to find out how your business expenses can reward you. Check out yellow.com if you're keen for your business to get found online, and I know you are. So go and do that right now. Next week, we keep the celebrity theme going as we chat with Sophie Lovejoy, founder of PJ Brand Santa Abel. And how's this? She recently managed to get the Kardashians to wear her product on air and on their social media channels. Don't forget there is an entire back catalogue of interviews over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you love the show, then let another business owner know about it by grabbing their phone, opening the podcast app, 
searching small business big marketing, hitting subscribe, hitting play, handing back the phone, saying you're welcome and do that once a day for the next year. Love you forever. Until next week, I am Timbo Reed. Thanks for tuning in. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.